Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful resources in an age of disinformation. Our name is inspired from a quote by D.T. Niles, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week we recommend a source for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video, and this bonus episode we bring you an interview uh, about Dignity Revolution. And with that, uh, this is Luke in Wisconsin. And this week, I, or I guess I should say this bonus episode, I'm here with Courtney Donati. Uh, how's it going, Courtney? It's going really well. Thank you. Absolutely. And for everyone sitting at home going, who's that? I don't know who Courtney is. I'm used to <laughs> Nick and Luke. Uh, Courtney Donati is the director of Dignity Revolution. Uh, prior to joining the Dignity Revolution team, Courtney worked as a school counselor. She received her Bachelor's of Science in Psychology and Master's of Education in Pupil Services, and Courtney has seen firsthand the struggles many students face and believes in Dignity Revolution's mission to stand up for the value of every person. And of course, Courtney enjoys spending time with her daughter, Elle, attending Elle's various sporting events, camping, and spending time with her her black lab mix, George. (laughs) So with that, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And I bet a lot of people are sitting there going, I don't know what Dignity Revolution is. Um, I know that I have some friends and family who, of course, immediately will recognize it. But uh, we have a lot of listeners in North Carolina with with Nick. So do you mind just telling us uh, what what is Dignity Revolution? Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to come on to your podcast and talk. Um, this is great. And I'm so thankful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we could make it work. Yeah. So my, um, I'm going to say my joke that I wanted to say the last time that, that Luke and I were talking, it was because you were interviewing for a position at Dignity Revolution. And um, as soon as I met you, I was like, I have to have this guy on my team. Um, and you turned me down, Luke. I oh, know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so when you asked me to interview, I was like, you know what? I'm going to pull a Luke and I'm going to say, no, I'm not doing it. Um, but then I, you know, obviously I'm here. I changed my mind. So. Oh, no. <laughs> I, hey, I, I think Dig Your Revolution would be a great place to work. I was, uh, yeah. I was like, no, oh. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> no, no need. I'm just giving you a hard time. So uh, yeah. Um, But yeah, so what we are, we're really like a three component program. So we have a curriculum, um, we have an assembly program, and then we also do professional development. And the only people right now who will understand what I'm saying are educators, because curriculum doesn't mean a lot to people who don't work in the world of education or, you know, have a job where they, you know, have to follow a curriculum of some point. So what a curriculum is, is just It's a book that has lessons in it, um, and the lessons are really relevant to students' mental health, um, behavioral health needs. Um, So first I'll explain our curriculum. It's evidence-based, which means basically that it works. We've had our pre and post test studied by the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, and they verified that what we say we're going to do in our curriculum works. Um, Students are able to make healthier choices. They're able to communicate using iMessages. As a former school counselor, if any of my students are listening, they're going to be like, yep, Ms. Donati, I know exactly what you're talking about with the iMessages. That's the I feel when you, you know, all of that. Um, Our school assembly program, we have 
Um, Bob Lenz is who, you know, started Life Promotions, which is the company that the overarching company for Dignity Revolution. Um, he goes in and he does school assemblies. Bob's a professional speaker. He's phenomenal. We have an illusionist that comes in. Um, so really our school assemblies just, they fire up students, but the message is a message that everybody needs to hear. And that is that you have value and you have worth regardless of the choices you make. If you're a bully, you know, you have value. Um, if you're a student who never hears that you have value, if your parents are not supportive and loving, that's what we do in our message. Um, and then our teacher training is really just a program where we train the teachers how to use our curriculum. Uh, we train them what to do when they have students who we know are struggling. You can tell they're struggling how to use the proper communication skills when you're talking with students, when they disclose things that are going on in their life. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and just to give people a little bit of context as well, is it mostly high school or middle school or is it elementary school as well or just all of the above? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's all of the above. Our curriculum is written for grades K through 12. So we have obviously different lessons for each grade level. Um, our school assembly program, same thing. So obviously the elementary age students would respond more to an illusionist, a magician who can tell, you know, a really engaging and powerful story through the use of magic and puppets and things like that. Um, you know, and then our high school program, we have another illusionist who, you know, the high schoolers respond really well because I've obviously in this age of like immediate gratification, you know, no offense to any of our young listeners, but like, I know what last year when I was in the classroom, like, you've got to be engaging, you've got to be quick, you've got to keep their attention. And so that's how we open them up during the assembly is we have the illusionist that wows them with these, you know, amazing, you know, I don't know, what do you want to call them? Magic tricks, uh, which they still won't teach me. I've asked them multiple times, like, just tell me <laughs> one trick. Give me one so I can, like, impress people at parties. And they it's like won't. a secret, right. trade yeah. secret. It's probably a club <laughs> I have to join. Um, so, yeah, so all age groups. Um, and then obviously the message is different. So when we're talking to the high schoolers, you know, we're talking about healthy decision making, you know, drinking, smoking, um, healthy relationships, because at that point, you know, maybe they're experimenting with romantic relationships. Um, you can start having some of those conversations that are harder, but really needed to be had. Yeah, absolutely. And just to ask you personally as well, why did, um, why did you originally join Dignity Revolution or what, like what brought you in? Yeah. Um, so honestly, like I saw the job on Indeed I, and I, the first thing I said to myself after I read the job description was how have I been a school counselor for 15 years and I've never heard of this program. And I would say that with, you know, my boss sitting right here, like, this program is something that as a school counselor, I could have used for the last 15 years and it would have been amazing. Um, but as I read through it, I just felt like, I mean, we travel across the United States for your listeners who don't know, like we're headquartered in Wisconsin, but we, wherever there's a need, we will go. Um, you know, we were in Pennsylvania in October, um, so we'll go anywhere. So um, I just saw it and I thought, I know and I don't say this to, to brag, but I know that I had an impact on my students. I know that the one-on-ones, the small groups, the classroom presentations, I know I had an impact on them. 
and that is great and that filled my cup for many years but when I saw that my footprint could get bigger and not me up on stage but my program you know being spread to different students I just felt like I always knew my next step was something bigger and when I saw this I was like okay this is it like this is my chance to spread mental health awareness and give kids the tools to speak about what it is that they're struggling with and give teachers the tools to help the students who are struggling and kind of connect those two pieces. Gotcha. And it, yeah, what I really hear is, you know, there's an invaluable, um, just like super important work that each counselor or teacher does, but the, there's a sense of like going as a team that I hear when I'm talking about dignity revolution. And I, I saw that a little bit too, when I was reading about it. Um, and you've kind of addressed this a little bit, but um, tell us a little bit more about what need is Dignity Revolution addressing? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny because today I was working through a list of what I want during our assembly programs, like what I want to be addressed. Um, cause we have, a, you know, some other speakers that we're working on bringing on board. And as I was listing it out, I mean, it went from bullying, which is, you know, that's, I would hope at some point in our life that would go away, but I don't think it will, right? Um, it just changes forms. Um, then we have suicide. We have feelings of worthlessness. We have poor choices. We have violence. Um, I mean, it just continues on and on. And I think, you know, our goal is that everybody understands that they have value. And that's just a really strong blanket statement, you know, like, We'll start with the bully. The bully is the bully because if they can divert attention away from themselves, then nobody will really pay attention to the fact that they're struggling, you know? And then if we talk about low self-esteem, well, that person feels that they don't have value. And is there something that's going on at home that's causing them to feel that way or socially? You know, do they, do they feel like they don't fit in? Um, you know, we talk about the students who they're doing okay but they're just kind of skating by. They see the bully. They don't do anything about it. They see the girl who's sitting by herself at lunch. They don't do anything about it. So we talk to students about being the upstander, being the person who, when you see these things happen, address them. And we talk to them about how to address it. And then who are the trusted adults in your life that you can go to for help? Um, because it's not, it's not your problem to solve, you being the student. It's you know, my, my 12 year old daughter, it's not her, she doesn't need to solve the problem for why somebody is mean to her. But what she does need to do is to tell them that it hurts her feelings when they're mean. And then she needs to tell a trusted adult. So the trusted adult can help her and, you know, the person who's being mean, work through it. Um, and then hopefully we have high functioning adults. Yeah, <laughs> right. No. You know, like, the trickle right. down effect is then that hopefully these skills that are being learned, are then continued to be used in life. Yeah, that feels very relatable. Uh, recently, I mean, we were talking just, I mean, across all things for m myself, just a, as I'm an adult, which is always odd to say, but <laughs> um, but even for like our church right now is walking alongside a refugee family and there's this search for language about, um, you know, moving 
you want to assist people right when they're in a crisis and but there's a sense of like we don't want people to be dependent and so then there's this talk about independence but then what I, I really like about how you've been talking about it the sense of reaching out to your community is there's almost this mature stage of interdependence of just where we're like yeah we can do things on our own but also we can we can reach out and and mm-hmm. get help where we need it. So I, I think you just nailed the next question already because I was going to ask, what does it look like when a youth stands up? Um, so for, for those listening, Dignity Revolution's mission is to educate and empower youth to stand up for the value of every person. And I mean, what you just said with the last question too is the sense of speaking up or reaching out to someone who's isolated, but also when when someone needs help, not feeling like a young kid trying to solve all the world's problems on your own, but maybe Mm -hmm. are there any other things too that you're thinking of when you think of youth standing up or being an upstander? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the, the first things that I was thinking about when I was thinking about that question was, I think we can all picture a kid that we went to school with or a student that we had that like felt all of their feelings in really big ways. Um, I have a friend who I'll call and she's like, oh, I'm just having a really hard day. And I'll say, oh, what happened? And it will be like, well, so-and-so's cousin's grandfather fell and broke his ankle and I'm just so worried about them. And I'm like, that is like six people removed from you. Like, (laughs) how is that impacting your mood right now? And I've had students like that too, where I'm just like, wow, okay. And sometimes we would call them like, very drama focused or things like that. But ultimately, regardless of whatever title we want to give them, like those people feel their feelings in very big ways. And like, they're, you know, usually very empathetic, you know, that's when you just take on other people's feelings. And so that's when I talk about like finding, you know, controlling what you can control, and then handing that off to somebody else. Like, those are kind of the that's the language that I would use with students. Like, well, you know, how can we control the situation? Um, And then who can help us? Because obviously there's things that are bigger than us that we need to kind of work through. So, you know, and I, I don't want to get political, but I think there's times where there people make choices that some people don't agree with. Um, The high school that I went to just had a handful of students walk out because there was a bullying situation against somebody whose sexuality um, was not, you know, what the majority of the students in the school, you know, would have related to. And a handful of students walked out in support because they felt like the student who had been, you know, physically attacked wasn't being supported. Um, And, you know, for me, I looked at that and I thought, okay, like you're making a statement, but now what? Like, let's let's communicate about this and let's put together a plan. And who can we bring in to help everybody understand? Um, I mean, my solution was I really <laughs> I reached out to the school and I said, like, DR can help bring us in because regardless of whether or not you believe with that that person's sexuality, like we can all agree that this person has value. Like, I I don't want to get into the weeds about where you stand on somebody's sexuality, but I want to get in the weeds the fact that like this person has value and their life has meaning and they deserve our respect. And, you know, the bystanders who stood by and took video of this altercation, like I I said, I wouldn't swear, that pisses me off. Like put your phone down and get in there and tell them to stop, go and get help. Don't stand back and videotape. You know, that's, that fires me up. Like that's where I just get like, use your words because 
truthfully, like if you look the person in the eye who's doing the aggressing, aggressing, whatever it is, whether you believe in it or not, but physical violence is, you know, it's, it's not the healthy way to deal with a conflict. If you look them in the eye and you say, you need to stop, um, they will. And if there's support around you, they will stop. Um, and so I think, you know, my favorite lesson that I go back to and in our curriculum all the time is the message where we talk about communication. Because if you can't communicate, if you can't tell people how you feel, if you can't assertively tell someone, stop, this makes me uncomfortable, then you can be as great as you want at math, science, social studies, but you're not going to be a successful human if you can't communicate with people. Mm. No, that's that's really good. And that's that's really hard to... I, I've Well... What I, I think it's almost like digging to revolution is is saying the what seems like it should be really obvious, but almost like it doesn't get said. Like, hey, before we keep going at each other's throats, everybody's got value in this situation. Like, mm-hmm. Can we recognize the value of each individual before we go forward? Right. Um, and in some ways it seems really bold. And in other ways it's like, come on, guys, <laughs> shouldn't we know this? <laughs> right, right. So, Yeah. But isn't that true? Like the thing that's just the easiest is often the thing that we just continue to fight against. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, I think there's a lot of fear around like, well, if I have this conversation, what if it goes poorly? Or what if I encounter someone who disagrees with me? And I think I see just the way I'm listening to you, what you're talking about is it's more like talking about this foundation so that when you have those conversations, there's something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's how I'm thinking about it right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I often think, you know, the, the bright, shiny thing for us, the thing that's fun and exciting is our assembly program, right? Like, cool, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pretend I'm like a high school junior. I'm going to get out of science class for the day and I get to go to the assembly. Like, great. I'm so excited for this. But And that's great. And in that time, students are touched and they're impacted, but it really needs to be paired with our curriculum where the teachers are trained because like you're going to walk out of that assembly with some thoughts and some feelings and you're going to feel fired up and you're going to want to make a change in your school. And then you're in a perfect world. Your teachers would have also gone through the DR teacher training And then we can start having those conversations. And, you know, like we have an activity where it's active listening. um, But the first part of the activity, you get like a bag of toothpicks and you're back to back to somebody. And the person who's facing the screen has a picture of, I'm not going to tell you what it is. So I'm going to make something up. It's a picture. I'm looking around the room. I'm in a picture of a cup. And you have to tell the person who's not looking at the screen how to make the cup without saying the word cup. So you just have to say, you know, put a toothpick on the right and then make a right angle facing left, you know, like you're trying to explain it, but the person can't ask you questions. And then after like, after like a minute, you, we say like, okay, see how well your partner did. And typically they don't do well because they can't ask clarifying questions. So they're just listening but if, if, if you don't explain well, which a lot of us don't, like some of us, especially if we're talking about things that are hard, you're not just going to come right out and say it all. But if you don't explain well and then the person can't ask the questions, you know, the, the message gets lost. And then we have them do it again with a different image, but then both parties can talk back and forth. They can ask questions. And then typically the picture is accurate. And so 
we say this in a teacher training, like you have to ask the questions because if a student is coming to you and they're disclosing to you that something really bad is happening at home, I've maybe once or twice in my years as a counselor, I had a student come in and just like word vomit and tell me everything. It usually took multiple times where we're building a relationship, where maybe we're talking about their animals or talking about their dog, their favorite TV show. You know, you just have to build that trust before they feel safe to tell you what's really going on. Um, so that's why I just, I feel so strongly that the teacher training should really just be a part of the assembly program so that the teachers are aware. Myself as a school counselor, I took classes to, to know how to do this. Um, but the math teachers, you know, like they're, they're learning teaching techniques and they're learning their content area. Um, and it's a lot to say, you know what, like now you also have to understand how to have these conversations with students. But, you know, I don't know, Luke, who your favorite teacher was in high school. Um, but if it was your math teacher and you had something that you wanted to talk to them about, I think it would have been easier if your teacher knew how to have those conversations, you know, like. As a school counselor, that was one of the things that was the hardest for me. I wasn't in the classroom all the time, so I didn't have those relationships. Um, so that's why, like, you just hear me talking about the teachers so much because they are so important and they have so much power and so much value. Um, and we just want to give them all the tools that we can. Oh, absolutely. I, I won't reveal who my favorite teacher is on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I think any of them listen to this, but <laughs> just in case. Um, but that's <laughs> no, good. Um, speaking of just teachers and students, what uh, what challenges do today's students face that past generations or old generations may not be familiar with? And I'm speaking even for myself, too, because even though I, I know I'm only at a high school, I mean, less than a decade. Mm -hmm. I know it's different than when I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess before I answer that, let me just get some context. So when you were in high school, did you have a cell phone? I did. I think I had a flip phone for like ninth grade and okay. maybe 10th grade as well. Actually, maybe 11th grade as well. I had a flip phone for most of it, but I had a phone. And did you text? How did you... I, minutes that you couldn't use. <laughs> I really didn't text much, but um, I mean, every once in a while, they were like the really cool kids could text underneath the, the t their desk without looking because, you mm -hmm. know, there's like the little dot. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I didn't really text that much. Yeah, yeah. I was never good at like, I couldn't figure out like the T9. Right, know, right. That's the system. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I guess the reason I ask that is because um, my daughter's 12, she has a cell phone, and um, she's she's pretty good about not being on it during the day because I can monitor that, but from the second that she is in the car until she has to bring it down to the kitchen at the end of the night, with the exception of homework time and all of that, she is on it, and she is in constant communication with her peers. And I think about that all the time because when I was in school, when I left school, unless I was at like, you know, practice for sports or if I was at an athletic event, I did not really interact with people. And the people that I did interact with were my friends. So my friend would call, right, like old school, the phone that was like on the wall and we right. would talk on the phone. Um, my bully didn't call my house. Um, yeah. Or if they did, I hung up on them, right? Or, you know, I didn't 
pictures that I took were just printed out and I held them in my hand. Nobody saw them on the internet and commented on them. So when you think about that, like from, from the standpoint of being bullied or being picked on, it's there, there's just no break. They get the youth today get no break. When you talk about the effects of social media, I mean, I'm 38 and I would be lying to you if I told you that, you know, Friday after Thanksgiving, when I see everybody's Thanksgiving pictures, if I told you that I wasn't jealous, I would be lying to you. Like both of my parents are deceased. I, I have a very small immediate family. Like holidays are really hard for me. And as a counselor, do you think I should just stay off of social media during the holidays? I should. Do I? No. Like I just get myself worked up. But it's like, you know, things like that are our kids are the exact same way. They're no different than us. They see pictures of their friends all hanging out. And you wouldn't know what it feels like to be left out. But maybe you found out that you were left out Monday morning when everybody's talking about what happened over the weekend. You didn't find out you were left out in real time and then get constant picture updates on Snapchat or TikTok of all the fun that they're having. Um, so it's, yeah, it they they do not get a break. And I don't know. And a lot of them don't have the tools to be able to effectively communicate. I'm going to go like, I, at the end of this, I want you to count how many times I said the word communicate, but <laughs> like, like effectively say to their friends, like, I feel left out. I feel really hurt that, you know, you're posting these pictures and you're sending them to me or whatever that I wasn't included. Um, right. Yeah. And almost like when you were describing it, and you when you said no break out just before you were saying that i was like yeah it kind of sounds like there's no chance to just breathe like Mm -mm. you know like even when i get home from work i'm just like all right i'm gonna just you know eat some supper and not think about work you know something something like that um yeah that just sounds that sounds really tough it just sounds exhausting right Um, yeah i was after when i picked my daughter up today i needed to use her phone for something and they have like a a group chat and she had her vibrate on and it was just like I mean my hand was vibrating the whole time it was in my hand and the first <laughs> my first thought was oh my gosh this is so overstimulating and then my second thought was oh, I'm so glad she's included in this group because and then I was like oh I'm mad at myself for thinking that but it was just like could you imagine if you weren't but I'm sure everybody knows of this group chat and I'm sure it feels crummy to not be in it I don't it's just it's it's like forever high school, forever middle school, and it's, it's yeah, awful, you know. I see. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is something um, amidst the the difficulties? What's something that does give you hope when you interact with students? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I selfishly I reflect back on my students, the ones that, and when I say mine, like when I was a counselor, you know, like I have. I have some that are married now. I have one girl in particular. Um, so I was a high school counselor in the state I was in. They had where you could take college classes while you were in high school. And I remember we plotted out like freshman year, she's doing these three courses, sophomore year, you know, et cetera, all the way down for, I'm sure you remember this from school, people who have gone to college, you know, like you have to take all these courses, right, to get your degree and do all of that. And she graduated last spring and I was like, she did it. And she graduated 
in the program that she wanted to be in. Um, she got a job this fall. She's a teacher. And I was just like, it, like I have goosebumps telling that story because I, it's like, okay, like I remember we put hours of work in getting her classes and helping her plan and doing the research on what school was the best fit. And so it's things like that where I'm just like, okay, like must have done something right because these kids are out here, you know, accomplishing their goals and, you know, working through life and doing really well. And even, I don't want to just talk about students who went to college. I have students who are really successful doing, um, like one works for the Ohio Department of Transportation and is working his way up. You know, it's just like amazing to me that these former students of mine have found their niche and they're doing really well. And selfishly, like my opinion still matters to them. Like they'll still reach out and ask for my thoughts on things. And then I just feel like, okay, like this gives me hope that, you know, these, these kids are doing well and they're going to, they're, they're okay. They have a great life. Um, but then when I see, you know, like I mentioned that we were in Pennsylvania and we had a assembly program, um, I did not go, uh, we're a nonprofit. So as much as I would love to just travel everywhere that Bob goes, like, you know, financially, that's just not responsible. So I was not there, but I, I got videos and I got pictures and things like that. And it was just, you know, we couldn't do assemblies because of COVID. Schools weren't allowing outside guests in. And just to see how happy they are and to see, like, our speakers being able to connect with them and really address the real issues. And, you know, kids kids aren't good fakers. Like I can tell in the pictures that they're, they were touched, right? Like I can tell that they're moved and they're impacted. And so that, that gives me hope. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I know that what we do works, just give us a room full of kids, give us a room full of teachers. And like, I promise you, we will make a change. I promise you that they will leave that room, both the teachers and the kids, with, you know, some tools in their tool belt for how to communicate better and make better choices and to stand up for each other. Awesome. Well, in the interim, before people, you know, give you an email or text, well, maybe not text, but email, <laughs> what, uh, what encouragement would you like to speak to teachers who may be discouraged at, at the hardships they're seeing their students face? Or, or parents, parents or teachers. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that oftentimes we think that we're in this alone. Like we think, you know, like I, I really like to talk about my parenting journey, not because my daughter is my favorite human, uh, but just because I, I talk about it even when it's tough. Um, cause I think if we go back to social media, people only post like, oh, my beautiful vacation that I took, you know, instead of just like the real stuff. And so I like to talk about that. Like I, yeah. I will openly talk about the fact that, you know, last year at about this time, like, I mean, my daughter had some suicidal ideations and it was, it was tough. And I was like, I'm, I'm a, like, I'm a counselor. Like, how is this happening? Like, I, I, am I not good? Like how, you know, like it was just this. And then I was like, okay, this isn't about you, Courtney, like deal with that with your own therapist, <laughs> like help your daughter. But it was, you know, it's just one of these situations where it really opened my eyes to the fact that 
when parents are dealing with things like that, when teachers are dealing with things like that, you feel really alone because people don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about the bad. You only want to talk about the good. And so I think if, if anything, and I think if anybody who's ever met me, I feel like I hope that I would encourage people or they would pick up on this from me is that like, I, I, let's talk about it. Like, let's just have those hard conversations because like, I'm just going to be honest, like this last what year and a half, it's been shit. Like, I don't, I can't think of any other way to say it. It's been tough. Yeah, let's true. talk. Yeah. Like, let's talk about it. Um, but there are people out there to support you. Like, it is not your job as a student, as an educator, to, to know the answer to every problem. Um, it is our job to try to help solve the problem. So maybe that's reaching out as an educator, maybe to your administrator, maybe if you're struggling with a student and you think there might be you know, some emotional things going on, maybe you reach out to the school counselor, maybe a special ed teacher, right? Like it, we would be doing each other a disservice if we just sat with our problems and didn't try to solve them. Kind of like you said about the, the refugees in your church, like we have to empower people. Um, and some of the ways that we do that is we have to teach them. We have to teach them what their resources are. Um, but there are people out here that want to help. And if I could read minds, I would be able to help a lot more, but I can't. So we're going to go back to my favorite word of the night, which is communi <laughs> communication. Like, tell me what you need. Right. And if I don't know the answer, I will connect you with people who can help us find the answer. Um, but I promise you that you're not alone. Yeah, no, that's that's some great encouragement. I feel like you've modeled that vulnerability even in this interview. I mean, a lot of the questions are they're pretty standard interview questions of like, mm -hmm. oh, what what's your organization about? What you know, what's it do? What are yeah. you hoping for? And I think um you've shared just some things that are are really personal. And mm -hmm. um I I think you're you're doing a great what's the word I would use? I guess um it's a it's a gift to listeners to basically to witness your courage to just say, Hey, this is what I'm going through. This mm -hmm. is what I witness. Um, you know, this, these last, <laughs> this last year and a half, yeah, it's been awful. Um, and just being honest with, honest with that. So no, I really appreciate that. I think that's excellent encouragement. And I, I, I mean, the next question, I know you have all the questions, but it's really similar. It's, you know, what encouragement would you like to speak to students who are struggling and maybe it's the same thing, but maybe there's more. Mm -hmm. I think, um, yeah, I had a lot of thoughts on like how I wanted to answer this question. Um, the first thing that like came to my mind when I saw this question was like, I just love how right now, and I don't want it to become like a feminist thing, but I love how like girls right now are just really wearing whatever is comfortable to them. Like the baggy jeans, the long shirts, like tennis shoes. Like when I was in school, it was like, I mean, the amount of effort that I put into my appearance every day is ridiculous. Like, I remember waking up at 5 a.m. to do my hair for high school like, in Berlin, Wisconsin, which is such a small high school. Like, who even cared? But, like, that was, like, what the expectations were. Like, women had to fit this mold, and this is what you did. And I just, I, I'm so empowered now by, um, I guess, even our, our young men, too, that they are, they're doing it, and they're doing what feels good for them. 
And they don't really care about what society says, like, well, to be pretty, you have to wear, you know, form-fitting clothing and doing things like that. So I guess my first is a word of encouragement. Like, I, I love that. Like, keep being who you are. Um, like, I'm... I will will not judge. Like, obviously, I would expect that you're clean, (laughs) shower every day, (laughs) wear clean clothes. But aside from that, you know, like be be a good person, you know, all of the other stuff that I talked about. But I just love that people just feel really free to be who they are. Um, And as long as we're following kind of that basic moral code of treating people with love and respect and kindness and being good people ourselves, um, I feel like this generation has has the part of like their identity figured out a little bit, and I think that's cool. Um, I I see a lot of women in their sixties who I think are now at a point where they're like, oh my gosh, I have the autonomy to make some choices for myself that they felt like they never had before, and that just makes me really sad um, because I often wonder like, what would your life have been like if you felt like you had that autonomy thirty years ago, like? Would you have been happier? I don't know. Um, So I just, that's, I mean, my biggest, what I'm taking away from this generation is I I feel like they've kind of got that thing, that part of it figured out. Um, Yeah. No, that reminds me of a, Nick and I had recommended a documentary a couple seasons back and, um, you know, it was, it was mixed because there there were experts with widely varying opinions about identity and psychology and all sorts of stuff. But one thing that they talked a lot about, and I've, I've heard it come up in this interview is just the masks that we wear. Um, And it sounds like what you're talking about is just this encouragement. Like you're seeing students kind of take down some of those masks and just Mm -hmm. encouraging them to, to keep at it, to keep, um, trying to uh, be vulnerable with people, trying to be honest and authentic with people. Um, but I don't maybe I'm simplifying it. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Mm-mm. No, I think that's really accurate. Like, yeah. And, you know, I don't, I would love to talk to other women my age that are mothers or who have similarly aged kids. Um, Cause it is a battle. Like I took my daughter to get a haircut yesterday and she was coming to me with these like crazy hairstyles like let's do this and you know the part of me that grew up in the early 2000s was like no because that's not that's not what most people find attractive and then the part of me that was like nope like this is you know 2021 like those beauty standards aren't there anymore you know like but I'm also just like oh are you gonna get made fun of you know like there's this whole weird balance but ultimately she just felt really safe to explore these other options. And obviously as a mom, I had to help her make the right choice. Like you are not getting up early enough every day to do your hair like that. That's just crazy. You and I both know you're not doing that. But if, if it was, I guess I'm just saying all of that to say, like, I want to be able to support her and support this generation through making choices that feel really good to them. Um, But obviously the, adult in me still feels the need to say as long as it's safe and responsible um, and healthy for all involved because that's that's important too right yeah absolutely well the final question i have um of course is as people are listening and they may be thinking oh i kind of like the sound of uh dignity revolution i kind of like the name of it i like the mission um to educate and empower youth um 
I, you know, what do I do now? Uh, who do I contact? How do I get Dignity Revolution to come to my school or my, my kids' school? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, probably the, the best thing, and I'm sure in your show notes, you'll put this too. Um, but our website is dignitypledge.com. Um, from there, you can see all about our programs um, in a lot more detail than I went into on the podcast. Um, you could email. It's just info at dignitypledge.com. And those emails come to me. Um, I mean, from there, it's just a conversation about, you know, what is it that you're wanting and what is it that we can make happen? We are super flexible. So we were meeting with a school last week who said that they feel like they would love the assembly program, but they have a certain group of students, like a certain grade level that they feel like have really been stunted by COVID. And that's something that I'm actually hearing a lot. We were just in South Carolina and Virginia um, for conferences and the teachers there were talking about how emotionally their students are still very mature. They might be eighth graders, but COVID happened when they were in sixth grade and they really didn't mature past that stage. And so this school that we were at said, you know, would you guys, would you guys be able to do something with that group of kids? And we were like, yeah, sure. I mean, I can give them just, I could put on my school counselor hat and I could do activities. Our lead trainer has been teaching for over 40 years. Like between the two of us, we could put something together. Um, We also have a program through Life Promotions called Quake, which does weekend youth retreats. So they have a whole, you know, group of people who would be willing to come in. They have, you know, curriculums as well that they follow, you know. So we are super flexible. Um, Selfishly, I really hope that we get this opportunity to work with the kids because I'm just really excited to like actually get in front of kids and be working with them again. Um, cause I miss them. I, I miss those, those little, those, I, I was going to call them, you know, all of the pet names that I would call them when they were my students, but yeah. I do, <laughs> I, I miss them. But yeah, so I think ultimately what I just want is for people to hear who we are at, at the core and know that, yes, we have this standard three things that we do, the curriculum, the teacher training and the assemblies. Um, but we have the opportunities to be very creative and very flexible, and trying to meet their needs. Excellent. Yeah, and we can we can absolutely put that email in the show notes. That that's no problem at all. And and if someone's thinking, I don't know, I don't want to email it. That, that's commitment. Go just Google Dignity Revolution. Just click on it and do the just browsing it. Look at it. Um, any any last things you wanted to plug or, or mention before we go? Um. Yeah. So I had a couple of things. The first is, um, I and I'm. Luke, I hope that you can attest for this, but like if somebody reached out or they were afraid to because they felt like, oh, you know, like it's going to commit me to something like I am probably the most laid back person you will ever meet. So no obligation, even if you just want to email back and forth with me because you thought I was entertaining to listen to, that would be totally (laughs) fine too. (laughs) Like, yeah, like no pressure at all. Like I, I just want to help kids and you know, that's, that's it. Um, but the other thing, like in that, in our last question, you just asked for some like encouragement, wisdom, and hope um, for students who are struggling. Yes. Um, and so I think for, for me, it's really important that students um, know who their people are. 
Um, so what I would always say to students, and I actually learned this from a fellow employee's wife, um, was to take your hand and um, just one hand, so your five fingers. And I would say to them, you know, because that you you are in our building five days a week, but you're not in our building all year. Um, so, you know, holiday breaks, um, summer breaks, spring break, you know, all of that, you're not around us. So at a school, like as a teacher, you know who your kids are and you know when they show up when they're having a bad day and you can check in with them. Um, so I would say, you know, take your hand and your first two fingers are two people here at school that you know that you can go to if you need something. Um, and so we would go through, like, who are the trusted adults in the school? Is the school custodian a trusted adult? Yeah, they are. Is the lunch lady, you know, the secretary? Is your math teacher? You know, like all of them, we would go through. And I never asked them to make it public, but I said, like, we need to pick who these people are. And then I would say, who are your other three? And these three people are not people here at school because unfortunately, the majority of the time you're not with us, right? So that's why we need three people. Um, maybe it's a friend's parent, maybe it's an uncle. Um, and then I would also say to them, it has to be someone that you would be comfortable having a difficult conversation with. So I would say, I'd use my grandpa as an example. My grandpa would have been a trusted adult for me, but if I was in a situation where somebody hurt me and maybe I was embarrassed about it, I wouldn't be able to tell my grandpa that because I would have felt weird. He would have felt weird. So he, as much as I loved him, he was not one of those people that was on my list because I, would have, I wouldn't have had the confidence to go and talk to them about it. Um, so I guess that's what I would say to any of our educators that are listening or if we have students listening. Um, and it's important to pre-plan for that, not because you want to scare kids, but because if something bad happens, your students will know these are the people that I can go to instead of being like, oh my gosh, I have nobody. I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. Instead, you know, kind of like you practice for a fire drill, like you know where to go, right? Like when you get on an airplane, you know what to do if the plane crashes. Is it going to crash? I hope not. That's literally my biggest fear, but like I know what to do yeah. if it happens. Um, so that's something. And I think that activity in and of itself then remind students that they have people in their life, um, at least five. And kind of like I said with my activity, I knew that I had at least six because I knew that I, my grandpa really cared about me. I just knew I wouldn't be able to have that difficult conversation with him. So, I No, just, that's that's excellent advice. I, I've noticed, I mean, not just with students, but um, – especially in college where there's this sense of flux of relationships changing and trying to figure out oh, who are my friends, who are people that I trust as mentors, um, all, all sorts of different questions people are trying to navigate. Um, sometimes we have the perception, you know, cause we have hundreds of friends on Facebook or followers or whatever, um, that, Oh, I, I have, I'm supposed to be close with everyone, but in actuality, like we we're finite people. We can only be, you know, super close with, a couple people and obviously I know there's a difference between introverts and extroverts but um, 
I think that's really solid advice. And I can I can attest to what you were saying earlier um, that you're laid back, and <laughs> even if someone uh, denies the chance for uh, a job, you'll still come and do an interview. So yeah, hit a, uh, what's the cool way to say it? Hit me up, or you can hit Courtney up with an email. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know the cool way to say it. Um, I, I do not know the answer to that one. I'll, oh well we'll leave that to, to younger people <laughs> well thank you so much for uh joining us on beggar's bread courtney and uh thank you all for tuning in for this bonus episode and we'll be back of course on thursday with uh season five going right on uh perfect thanks again see you guys later